welcome to the Gridiron Show and a whispered intro to today's show because it's like 4.30 in the morning, my wife is in bed. Uh, we've just had the first round of the NFL Draft. Three quarterbacks in the top 12. Moves galore. What were the Bears thinking? Have the Chiefs and the Texans drafted the quarterback of the future? Who's had a great day? The Browns, the 49ers, who's had not such a good day? We'll cover all of those points. Matt Sherry is going to join us live down the line from Philadelphia. Ollie Hunter is with me, sat in my front room. I promise it won't all be done at this sort of volume. We'll talk normally for the rest of it. You're listening to, in association with Touchdown Trips, The Gridiron Show. All right, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Touchdown Trips, who are going to be heading with us on the Gridiron Tour to LSU this year, who had not one, not two, but three picks How many? in the first round of this year's NFL Draft. Three, buddy. That's three. Um, look, we are going to be talking all about the first round proper, but as always, touchdowntrips.com. We're going to be making the final announcement on that trip in the next few days. So you want to get in there and you want to register your interest. We've contacted those who have already put down their deposit to see how they feel about the possible uh, the possibilities that we've put out there, the possible tours we could do. So do get back to us on those on the email to myself and Ben. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, sat in my front room trying to be a little bit quiet so that we don't wake my wife up. Hello, Ollie. How are you feeling now the Packers haven't picked in the first round? Yeah, brilliant. Glad I came around, stayed up. <laughs> uh, Ollie, glad you reminded me as well that I need to be a bit quieter. Ollie has just been watching the Ted Thompson live press conference uh, in which he was basically saying, uh, yeah, all the guys that we liked got picked after we traded out. So thanks, <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that guy is so old. <laughs> He's so old. He's so old. Man, he shouldn't even be anywhere near it. And you can you can hear a faint murmuring in the background, and that's because somehow on a higher quality line than he normally joins us on from Hartlepool, Matt Sherry joins us live from the draft in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Hello, Matt Sherry. How are you? Very good. How are you guys? Very well, mate. Very well indeed. Look first time at the first round of the draft live outside we're going to get into all the big talking points three early quarterbacks all those trades John Lynch having a great first day the Browns having a great first day but just uh, what have been your takeaways from Philadelphia so far from the city and from being at the first round of the draft I would say mainly the way the city's just kind of taken hold of this and made it into something very special I'm sure you saw the the coverage that there's a huge NFL experience area near the stage and that whole thing was absolutely rammed when the draft kicked off they made some incredible noise and um, yeah I think the city has really embraced it and taken it on and it's another feather in the cap for the decision to, to really bring this event to other places outside of New York because you get passionate fan bases like Philly who get to enjoy this experience and also Teams who wouldn't host the Super Bowl get something that's almost the next best thing. There were reports that there are 16 other cities sent representatives to Philadelphia this weekend in the hopes that they would in the future be able to secure an NFL draft. Um, But yeah, the the official number was 200,000 people, more than 200,000 people. That is relying on Americans to make an estimate of crowd size based on aerial shots. We know they've not got a good record of that from recent months. But um, yeah, it, it did look amazing. Well, Rich Eisen said 70,000 plus. <laughs> so right. there's a there's a big discrepancy there, Matt. How many did you count? 111,220. 
I'm bit glad of, you spent your, going on. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm really glad you spent your time uh, productively. Thanks, buddy. Um, Ollie Hunter no has, has been sat working with a pen and pen and paper, old school style, throughout the first round of the draft today. And there's loads of things to uh, for us to take away from it. Um, look, Matt, being there and being on site, what's what's the setup? Are you you're in a media area, as you're saying. Are you getting the players as they're coming through, getting to hear from them, speaking to the to the press for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, the media tent is—you're not watching it; you're actually watching it on a TV as as the viewers back home are. And then, kind of, the players are paraded round to radio, and then they do a press conference after that. So, from that perspective, it's really it's really straightforward. The only negative is that we've sat on the most uncomfortable seats I've ever experienced in my life, and my back is absolutely crippled. Not that I want to complain about being at the draft, but it's been brutal. Feels a little um, bit like that's exactly what you're complaining about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to an extent. But brilliantly, for the last kind of five, six picks, I uh, I managed to get out and watch it on stage, which was really cool. Oh, superb, fantastic! Did you get to see the Tack uh, Tack McKinley uh, stuff? Because he was our he was our man of the day. What a hero! Great f bomb. It wasn't There's my too man much of the day. PR nonsense in these in these situations, and it's nice to see the raw emotion come out. Yeah. My, my man. Well, I, I see. I see how. I see how own Simon Clancy's been criticising it as a terrible start to his NFL career. Ugh. Get a heart, Simon. <laughs> yeah. Get a heart and stop complaining. Well, Simon. Maybe, Simon meanwhile, can... meanwhile, going all comical alley and telling us that the the, the Dolphins picked the best pass rusher in the draft. The best pure he was never pass rusher. Find a negative. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I am. I am misquoting. Um, right. Simon, let's, so Simon could get a heart by looking at little TJ who picked the Ravens pick, which was just the moment. Oh, yeah, maybe TJ was the hero. Yeah, the I mean, round. he was the man of the day, surely. Anyway, carry on, guys. Um, right, so I, I think we just burn through it and we discuss it as it happened um, and, and just you know, knock out a little half an hour for people to enjoy when they wake up this morning. Number one overall, Browns take Miles Garrett. Absolutely what? no surprise whatsoever. Good one, mate. <laughs> uh, compared to you know, fellow Texas Aggie Von Miller, it seemed like the, the nailed-on pick. And we'll talk about what the Browns did through the rest of the draft coming up shortly. Pick two. John Lynch obviously must have the greatest poker face of any GM in NFL history. Because did any of us at any point genuinely believe that the 49ers were going to take Mitch Trubisky? Because apparently Ryan Pace did. He gave up a fourth, a third, a, a third and a fourth this year and a third next year to move up one spot to take Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback out of North Carolina. But I mean, you said, did anybody think the 49ers would? I mean... The, the reality is that if, if you're trading up with the 49ers, then you know that they're not wanting to take him anyway. So at that point, I just don't really see what the benefit of it was. I'm, I'm struggling to think who who was going to trade up that they needed to get in front of to get him. It, it just strikes me as a, a classic situation where they've got panicked and kind of made a rash move there and, and basically handed San Francisco two, uh, three picks in the top four rounds of the next two drafts. One of which and, they used later on to move up again. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Sherry, I want to... That was brilliantly done. Sherry, I want to know what the um, reaction was in the press room when that you realised, or everyone realised, that they'd moved up to then take Mitch Trubisky. Well, it was a big... A big several people said, holy shit, at the same time. And it was a big kind of... Wow moments. Probably the biggest one of the night, to be honest. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, once the once they'd moved him, I I kind of thought it was a a quarterback because there's so many good defensive players on the board that you were getting a good guy at three anyway. So it kind of had to be a quarterback. But yeah, that was a move that absolutely nobody saw coming and kind of laid the foundation for everything else we've seen tonight. And here's the thing: you can say everything you want to about Trubisky. We've talked about before. Might be the best looking NFL QB in terms of his starting credentials, but only started 13 games, went eight and five in that time. Couldn't beat out Marquise Williams in his first two years. I feel like we've talked to this player up and down. The fact is, is if you truly believe that he is your quarterback of the future and he does go on become a franchise player for the Bears, then those few extra picks aren't going to mean anything. Um, what I thought was interesting that as the moment that he was taken, we suddenly. Started started getting news reports that the Browns were calling up uh, Washington and trying to get uh, Kirk Cousins out of them. So apparently they, he was the guy the Browns liked as well. So uh, it looked like it was going to affect the, the next few picks coming up. We then saw Solomon Thomas, the defensive end of Stanford, going to the 49ers. Probably the guy they would have picked at two anyway, but they get their three extra picks plus their guy. Um, the Jaguars take Leonard Fournette. I think a lot of us expected that. Most angry running back since Adrian Peterson. He was described out on the coverage. Great news for British NFL fans um, need some work in pass protection but you know Jags fill a need and with an exciting player yeah absolutely and it, it was interesting to see him and McCaffrey go in the top 10 and, and we're seeing the renaissance of the running back the last few years and that's because we've had some some generational talents come out but I just like the pick because the Jaguars are a team that needs some attitude, like, mm-hmm. and and I think Tom Coughlin's identified that. And 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 the way to get attitude on offense is to have a running back who, with every tackle that you make against him, he makes the defense a little bit weaker because it hurts, and they kind of don't want to do it again. And I think he's the perfect pick for for that franchise. And it, there was obviously a lot of talk that they'd take a quarterback, but interesting to see that they are sticking with their guns on Blake Bortles because I, I think that tells us a lot about the dynamic with Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin yeah fascinating and uh, interesting to see over the next three picks so the Jets take Jamal Adams at six good pick solid player everything yep. else that we've said about him two wide receivers going in the top seven was somewhat of a surprise I think the Titans had been really slated as a team that were going to move down and there was a lot of talk of the Browns moving up to there to get their quarterback maybe that Bears trade and pick nixed that um, but you know consistent production as a four-year starter it's definitely a position of need for the Titans and they addressed uh, corner later in the draft which they definitely need to Chargers getting Mike Williams I love that because big body guy great in traffic great in the red zone Uh, when was the last time Phil Rivers had a big guy to throw to who wasn't a tight end and if Keenan Allen can get fit and on the field you've got a lovely one too there you you do it's interesting because you can it's kind of the way you want to skin the cat isn't it I mean I'd have personally liked to have seen them gone with OJ Howard and and kind of drafted the Antonio Gates replacement Mm -hmm. or or even Malik Hooker who was on the board at that point and, and really you're then creating a, a pretty special-looking unit on defense when you've got two great edge rushers to have a guy at, in centre field who can who can generate turnovers. He's got great hands, Malik, and could be a turnover machine at the next level. So, so I like the idea of those, and and I thought that Phil Philip Rivers did well with a with a worse support and cast last season. However, there aren't that many years of Philip Rivers left, so you do kind of need to you do need to give him help and and 
I think the the they've done, they've more than done that with a with a guy who is, in my opinion, the best receiver in the draft. Um, let's just burn through the next couple because Panthers take Christian McCaffrey. I think that was one of the most nailed on picks if he was yeah. available there, and we all like it. We like what he does for the scheme and everything else. Talks about that a lot on our preview show. Bengals taking John Ross, I think, was a bit of a surprise. More for me because of what was available on the defensive side of the ball that seemed to fit their scheme. So you could, I think. You- it was one of those situations where they clearly just loved him, but it, had they not picked him, I, I, I think you could have very easily seen a scenario where he wasn't picked in the first round. It's mm. We've said this all the way through the draft where it's going to be on a bit of a knife edge between guys could go 10 or they could go 40, and it just depends on, on whether teams pull the trigger at that point. I thought, now, that, I thought with, the, with the Bengals that OJ Howard would have been great there, but given uh, his, his athleticism, his size, how how Tyler Eiflett struggled to be fit, AJ Green struggled to be fit, and when they lost both of those two, whoever came in was nowhere near as good, and he would have fitted both there. But the next move, uh, the Texas, uh, the, the sorry, the Chiefs moving up to seven, uh, was it seventeen places to get Patrick Mahomes the second from Texas Tech? What that that was a the, the anti-Alex Smith, basically. Yeah. High-ass ceiling, low-ass floor. They give up next year's first and a third this season to get him. Um, and, I mean, let, we can talk about these. You don't necessarily need to talk about these separately because the Saints get Marshall and Lattimore. They must be delighted to get the best corner on the board at 11. Then the Texans move up themselves, giving up their first pick for next year, which means the Browns now have their first and second round picks next year, and they take Deshaun Watson at 12. So let's just talk about this. Three quarterbacks in the top 12. Matt, I'm interested from your perspective what the reaction was like to all those quarterback moves, but also when those guys were coming through, what was your impression of them? Did they say anything that caught your ear? No, was, was there anything that particularly made you kind of stroke your chin or think, mm, I'm not so sure? Um, not, not really. I mean, there was only we, we did only speak to Deshaun Watson because Pat Mahomes was in, uh, was in Texas at his own draft party. But uh, Deshaun Watson, I thought, was noticeably less confident and cocky in it than he has been in the pre-draft process. And, and I thought it was interesting that when he was interviewed on stage afterwards, one of the first things he said is, he just said to me, turn up for work, shut your mouth kind of thing. And I think immediately they've said to Deshaun Watson, right, you've been drafted now. You don't need to make all these grand proclamations. Just keep quiet, get your head down. And that was kind of how he approached the press conference, like a like a good soldier. So that I thought that was interesting. I mean, I personally, I love the moves for the two quarterbacks because I think they're both going to really good situations, which doesn't always happen for young rookie quarterbacks. I think. Mahomes could not ask for a better system, a better guy to mentor him in Andy Reid. He can learn behind Alex Smith, which he really needs more than anyone. He does have a huge ceiling, but he needs to sit and learn for at least one year, maybe two years. So that's a perfect fit. Well, it's, it's, it's two years. Just to, to, fi- to finish up at moments, it's two years left on Smith's contract. That's obviously the perfect length of time. I was talking with, um, this is not a clanging name drop. It just happens to be the only Chiefs fan I knew that was awake. But um, <laughs> I was tweeting backwards and forwards with Sam Quick about it, who was really unsure on Mahomes. And I think the thing that's interesting to me about it is air raid quarterbacks generally haven't worked in the NFL. It's not a scheme fit that's particularly fitting with what Andy Reid does. You've essentially got to go, look, Lots of talent. We've got to break him down and build him up from the ground up. And like we're saying, I think Andy you, you, you look the guy at what he did that. with and what he did with Michael Vick a couple of years ago. 
when he, uh, when a couple of years ago, prison. showing our ages here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, what he did with Mike Vick is, is to me the, the template for what you might see him do with Pat Mahomes. If, if there is a situation he was going to work in, that was it. And we said that on our, um, yeah, absolutely. On our mock podcast. Like I said, if there's one team I think he should go to, it's the Chiefs. And he's gone there. And they just had to give up a lot to get there. And great work as well from Lee Steinberg, who you saw on the, the coverage, sat right next to Patrick Mahomes, red face and all. Yet another first round pick. Yet another first round pick. And uh, the same show that you were on, on the Nat Coombs show, uh, Matt Sherry, Lee Steinberg, we had him on after you, and he said, I predict Matt, uh, Pat Mahomes will go in the top 10, and lo and behold. I saw a, I saw a great tweet from Dave Damashek. Somebody, um, somebody, a local beat writer, tweeted, uh, spoken with Bill O'Brien, he assures me that Tom Savage will still be the week one starter as far as he's concerned. And Damashek quote tweeted and just went, ah, 2012 Matt Flynn will be really pleased to hear this news. <laughs> which, uh, which really made me chuckle because, yeah, if you've gone out and spent that much, that's my concern with Mahomes. It's my concern with Watson. It's my concern with everyone. Is you look at these guys and you go, yeah, okay, it's ideal. They've got a situation they can sit in. But if you've moved heaven and earth to get a guy and somebody's not playing well, whether that's um, whether that's Mike Glennon, whether that's uh, whether that is um, Tom Savage, whether that's even Alex Smith suddenly fans are going to start calling for the name. What were your thoughts you were going to say on Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be amazed if he didn't start in, in week one. I don't think that'll apply <laughs> at all. I mean, Deshaun Watson is the kind of guy who will do what Dak Prescott did last year. He'll go into that organisation. He will be the leader of that team probably from day one. He is just that kind of guy. He's a serial winner. I think he'll be a serial winner in the NFL now that he's gone to the Texans, who, to me, I mean, the, the question with it is, how much do you actually need him to do for the Texans to be easily the biggest contender to the Patriots in the AFC? And it, it isn't a lot with how good that... I think that defence could be all-time great next year with, with the talent that they've got. And I just love the situation from Watson's perspective. I think it's similar to Russell Wilson a few years ago. You go in with a great defence... You put more on his plate each year, but I think he'll start from from week one because I think his his leadership is is he just has the it factor, and I, and I think it's a great pick for the Texans, and I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with him. I, I think that 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 storyline more than any is the one I'll be watching next season. The Cardinals uh, picked at thirteen Hassan Reddick from Temple, linebacker. Uh, that feels a need. I love that pick. Some of the smart money was in Patrick Mahomes going to the Cardinals and sitting behind um, Carson Palmer for a year or two. Uh, and then Derek Barnett, a, a player who... Um, I don't know if you know, guys, but he broke Reggie White's sack record. Broke Reggie White's sack record. <laughs> they might have only mentioned that 15 times exactly. on the TV coverage. He, at Tennessee, many are saying that he could be better than Miles Garrett. He's got as, as good numbers almost. Um, and I loved one of his quotes to Deion Sanders. I'm just here to get to the QB. I loved his focus. And he's one player that I'm really excited in seeing. Uh, of course, he went to the Eagles. Yeah, l- looking at that Eagles defensive line now, Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry, Timmy Jernigan, who they got in that trade, Chris Long, who's come in after the season at the Patriots, Stephen Means, like 
that is a proper position of strength with a defensive coordinator who knows how to like scheme those players into situations. I think that's exciting in Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. Barnett to me is um, is a, is one of the safest picks in the draft because you just know you're going to get unbelievable effort on every play. He just knows how to play the game. He, I, I think we we discussed him at length in the preview. Shows it. He's a great player and a great pick for Philly. And and uh, just to come back to quickly, I feel the same about Hassan Reddick. Can rush the pass with a hand in the dirt. Can cover running backs and tight ends. Works in sub packages. Fine, like good yeah, versatile the, linebacker. Clean as hell. And versatile is exactly what people are looking for in the modern NFL. He kind of is the prototypical modern NFL linebacker. After that, the next four picks, three of them went to uh, defensive backs. Malik Hooker, many people's uh, top, one of the top players in the draft, went to the Colts at 15. Marlon Humphrey, uh, the brilliant, uh, what's the surname of TJ? Do we know? Anyway, the Ravens kid, cancer survivor, picked it, which that was a really great moment for me. Um, Jonathan Allen, a defensive end, fell all the way to 17. There were some concerns about some arthritic shoulders. Uh, He went to Washington. And then Adore Jackson to the Titans from USC. Any of those kind of tickle your fancy? Uh, Adore Jackson was one of my favorite players in the whole draft. Um, so, so he did. Jonathan Allen's a great player. I, the, the, I, I, it, it was the point of the draft, and obviously, I've, I've, everybody knows from listening to the previous show how much I love Malik Hooker. It was the point in the draft where, really, because there'd been so many good offensive players, these teams in the in the late teens were clearly just sat there thinking, "Hallelujah!" Yeah. Rubbing their just, hands together, couldn't it, believe their yeah, luck. A team like the Colts. I mean, you know, what they've managed to do with Chris Ballard in three months. <laughs> it's, incre- it, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and it's sad, really, as a guy who really dislikes the Colts to see because the, <laughs> Chris Ballard has come in and just every move you look at and you think, God, that makes so much sense. And then had they been on the board in that situation, to me, Hooker was the absolute obvious pick at that point. But if Grigson was there, they'd have picked a wide receiver who ran a 4-3 and never, had never caught a ball in his life. So it's a shame we can't harken back to those days. But yeah, they've done some great work in the off-season so far and t- tonight topped that off. I thought Baltimore were, were a contender to take the first lineman, but with Marlon Humphrey there, you know, they build on bringing in Tony Jefferson and Brandon Carr in the off-season, add strength on strength in the defensive backfield. And yeah, I mean, Jonathan Allen, top five talent brilliant inside pass rusher great hands can bend all the good stuff but you just wonder and we're going to get to Ruben Foster in a bit but is that fall indicative if there are so many teams that could have used him passing on him is there a concern there now the Bucks I think the the Saints getting the number one corner at 11 looks even better when you get to 19 because suddenly you've got the Panthers getting McCaffrey and then you've got OJ Howard, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, that backfield as soon as, you know, depending on what they end up doing at running back, but it's pretty exciting if they keep the guys they've got. It's just Jameis Winston must be at home with his feet up, stogie on the go, loving life. And then the thing is as well, you look at how well that defence played in the second half of last season and Mike Smith did a really good job with those guys. Huh? The, the, the books, we could see again, we've seen two NFC South teams come from nowhere to get to the Super Bowl. We could easily see that again with the Buccaneers, although it probably wouldn't be from nowhere as much. And Jameis Winston now has a chance to take a step forward again and become really an elite quarterback because he's got everything he needs around him. The only issue 
for the books is that he hasn't got a great left tackle and the offensive line is a bit dodgy. But, I mean, he's got guys there who can win and get open fairly quickly if he gets the ball out quickly. But, that the offensive line might not be an issue. But that whole division now is absolutely loaded. Especially, I mean, you look at the Panthers being the weakest team and they were 15-1 and one, literally <laughs> a season ago. So it's uh, it's an incredible, incredible division. That and the NFC East, those two divisions look look beyond loaded for and, next season. And hey guys, if you're coming on our tour this year, you'll get to see at least two of those teams in action. It could be three, couldn't it? It very much could be three. The next couple of teams for me, where it, it started to get a bit needs-based, Garrett Bowles to the could Broncos. It, could it be all four, Will? Say again? Could it be all four? In theory, it could be all four. But let's well, not get too not. excited. Let's not get too excited yeah. about that. But it could be. Um, the couple of next <laughs> couple of picks were a bit need-based for me. I mean, Garrett Bowles, nasty player, but gives up, like in a good way, nasty. Not in kind of the way of some of the other players we'll talk about. Um, but he is a bit mistake-prone, a bit penalty-heavy. Not sure he actually is a left tackle as he's been projected. Simbering his baby was awesome. Going yeah. full Lion King yeah, was great. Um, Kingston. But yeah. Garrett, Garrett Bowles, yeah, Kingsley. Good, good, good memory. Or have you written it down? I oh, it's know. Kingston. I'm happy. I oh. remembered it because it's like the town. There we go. Um, and then the Lions taking Jared Davis. This is. Can I just say I've just I've just had a wee next to Garrett Bowles as well. That well, had a quick chat with him. Nice fella. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, and then Jared Davis, the Florida linebacker, who's seen as a three-down player, but it was at that point I was thinking to myself, how bad is Ruben Foster's shoulder if the Lions haven't taken him at that point? Um, I'm, I'm going to say that now. Davis is, a, Davis is an interesting guy because he, he's another guy who missed time last year. I think he had an angle problem last year. Um, so there's a lot of talent there, but yeah, it's just how much of it have you seen. But he, he, he does have a lot of the tools where you think he could be a really special player. Now, if you're listening to uh, uh, Simon Clancy, here comes the pick of the round. Charles Harris, the Mizzou defensive end. <laughs> Maybe the best pure pass rusher. At bending the corner, huge scheme flexibility. I don't dislike it at all, actually. I don't hate the pick. I just, uh, you know, it's nice to see uh, Clancy with his Dolphins hat on. It's been a while since we've enjoyed that. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I just love how quickly he goes on the offensive to the to anybody who dare criticise it, even though I largely <laughs> agree with a lot of what he said. Of course, of course. Um, now I know uh, someone who liked the next pick, and that was Ollie Hunter. Yeah, I mean. I, I I said it in the in our draft show or pre-draft show that on the eye the Ole miss um, <laughs> tight end Evan Ingram I really liked him and I liked I thought whenever I watched college football he just jumped out of the screen at me as a really really good player uh, that that in in passing with catching and and movement and speed he's quick well, didn't he run a four four two Four four two. Four four two. Speed is, off the lines, incredible. Which is quicker than the Odell Beckham, uh, and he's gone to join them at the Giants. I just, I really like this pick, and with Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham, Eli Man- Manning, it's if they manage to pick up a, a running back in the second round or elsewhere, that's a really sexy offense. My my only issue with it is in in terms of you mentioned the three guys that've got it receiver. It becomes a difficult situation because you can scheme him off the field fairly easily because he can't block at all. So he's not really a tight end. He's just a, a guy who's a slot receiver. Um, but it's and funny you say that. Potentially be a very good one. 
Um, Mike Mayock, who I don't think had a very good draft, and this could be his last draft. <laughs> I thought he was poor. It's not his last draft, Ollie. He the was the best in the business. Ollie, Ollie was, was shooting him down left, right, and centre. He did have a bad night. Uh, if you missed, we're going to talk about the Gary and Conley pick next up. And you won't have seen Mike Mayock's discussion of the rape allegations, but it was some of the most cringeworthy TV I've ever seen. Eisen needed to jump in there a lot earlier than he did and get involved. He was, it was really poor. He was he poor didn't know across what he was the doing. board. And he, in, in his notes, in the caption that came up, and I wrote it down because I found it interesting given what you and Clancy said in our, pre, in our pre-draft show, it, it said blocks well. So no, that's what he said. Look, I'm <laughs> telling you, he, he had um, a poor draft. He had a terrible night. I agree with you, Ollie. Listen, <laughs> Gary and Conley, opposite Sean Smith, with Carl Joseph in last season, Reggie Nelson, who I've always been a big fan of. Good pick from a pure skill-based position. It's going to be fascinating to see what comes out about this over the next few days because what we did find out from the TV coverage is that Conley did a polygraph test in the last 24 hours. Um, as I said, Mike Mayock discussing it was painful TV. From a talent perspective, Oakland have taken the right player. You just wonder if they know more than we know as the media and as the fans at the moment about all, those all, allegations. All the suggestions are that... that the coaches and everybody he's worked with were absolutely staggered because he's the last person to think would ever be involved in anything. And in those, not just and like in, this, but anything generally. But and in that, I mean, and in that ten seconds, that? in that ten seconds, Matt Sherry just nailed that far better than Mike Mayock managed yeah. in thirty <laughs> seconds of blundering. Um, but yeah. but it's it, so so that's interesting. But I mean, how can we say anything? And and because we don't we don't have a clue. We weren't there. And mm. and. I mean, I'm tempted to believe the teams won't really know. So it does amaze me that he's been drafted in the first round. Um, but you would think and hope that they have enough intel that, that they've made the right decision. Now, Jabril Peppers, always loved this guy. Uh, yeah. Safety <laughs> from Michigan going to Cleveland. All those positive things we said. He's versatile, little small, explosive. There was a question over his lack of ball skills in production. Where is he going to play? Strong safety, nickel safety. I think kind of my feeling on this is, and I, I've kind of assessed it since our conversation last week, I think part of my issue with Jarrell Peppers has been where he's been mocked to. And my problem with him being in Cleveland, I think, and I, I'm going to say something that you'll like here, Sherry. If he went somewhere like, say, New England, where they've got a lot of talent already on the defensive side of the ball and they're really good at scheming guys into doing interesting things I'd be fine with it I don't see him as a guy who comes in as the number one playmaker on a defense and makes changes from day one that's kind of my concern is that he'll get lost in the lost in the flow a little bit yeah but Greg Williams is the kind of defensive coordinator and he's in Cleveland now who can who does disguise a lot and does blitz a lot and, and can shout. really kind of use him as a movable chess piece. And also, my, the main thing with Peppers is why I do really like it for Cleveland is they need guys who are going to walk into the locker room and command some respect and walk in with a bit of swagger. And he is that alpha male type character who can go into a very, very young locker room and become a leader immediately. And they need guys like that. I mean, it's all well and good adding talented guys and blue chip players as we've said that they need to do but they also need to get a bit of attitude and they need guys who can walk into the locker room and, and become leaders and, and he is that kind of guy so for Cleveland I actually love the pick for those two reasons I wouldn't necessarily have loved it for other teams but I think 
you, you need to look sometimes beyond just the physical skill set and see what kind of traits that a guy can bring to a team. And I really like what Peppers could bring to Clay. And, and Miles I also Garrett th- has the same thing as well. Yeah, Garrett has so. that as well. Yeah, exactly. But I also think his versatility, and Cleveland showed it with Terrell Pryor last season, they love a guy that could do multiple things and is just a very good football player. But, but Hugh Jackson's great at doing that with offensive players because that's what he's done his whole career. Let's see what they do with it. And I think the Greg Williams point is a very valid one. Is he the guy who can be the Hugh Jackson on the defensive side that can utilise that? Well, exactly. Very possibly I think could it's be. a really interesting pick. I will, I will, the thing is, I like Cleveland. I want them to do well. They're coming to the UK, so I will happily eat my words and hope that Jabril Peppers is really good this year. I think it's a spicy pick. Falcon, it's spicy. Falcons trade up, what, at five places? A third and seventh this year. They move to 31. They get Tack McKinley, defensive end at UCLA. Um, Tack F-bomb. I think getting, yeah, getting there ahead of Green Bay was kind of key for them. Um, he is a Falcons player. He's tough. He's quick. Uh, potentially great opposite Vic Beasley. You look at the guys they've, they've drafted over the past three seasons. Vic Beasley, Deion Jones, um, Grady, Grady Jarrett, Jarrett uh, Keanu Neal. They're all in that Seattle style. We want quick guys. We want tough guys. And this guy falls into that. And then he did the find me later for giving an F-bomb and got all emotional and, you know, Great story. That's also Seattle-like, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but... I, I, just, I just think it's nice to see a team who draft players that fit the, what they do, and you can mm-hmm. see that in the picks that they make, because that sounds like the most basic concept ever, but it so often doesn't happen. Yeah, 100%. Buffalo take Tredavious White. It's, this is the conversation we had the other day when I took a corner for Buffalo in, the, in our mock draft. Is If they've let someone like Stefan Gilmore go, and it's not their style to spend big on the back end why would they take a corner in the first round but I think if he's if he's a day one starter he's been a starter for four years great kind of um, man coverage corner then actually it keeps the position cheap for the next four years so I I don't mind it at all Um, it seems like a scheme fit seems to make sense Buffalo probably have other needs but it's not a terrible pick no I mean it's a bit of a Pick because yeah. <laughs> ultimately, like you can get a probably a, a guy who can start cornerback, especially in that system, in maybe the fourth, fifth round even this year. So, but yeah, I mean, you just you go with the guy you trust. So we'll see how it works out. I've just seen on on Twitter, Adderay Jackson. That's crazy. I'm really going to be on Madden. It's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? These guys are, are realising well, that they're going to be immortalised. Madden have been tweeting out all night versions of the players. They're obviously like immediately loading them into Madden and putting them into the uniform ready for next that's year. Awesome. So they've been tweeting that out throughout the night. I guess it was one of the sponsors. So uh, that's really cool. Um, Taco Charlton, uh, Wolverine defensive end. Uh, look, fine pick, good scheme fit. Um, physically similar to kind of Carlos Dunlap, lots of length, but the Mitch Trubisky of defensive ends, only a one-year starter. And I think my problem is is that Dallas lost, what, three or four defensive starting defensive backs this season already. It's meant to be the best defensive back draft of recent times, and there were good ones still on the board. It's just that's the direction I would have gone in if I was Jero at that point. But they liked it. Dude. Yeah, and the one thing I would say is I spoke to a couple of people before the draft today and they told me that that's who they were going to take. So the two picks that I had were nailed on, well, three, was one a defensive end for Miami, which was true. Garrett Bowles for Denver and Taco Chant for 
for Dallas. So at the end of the day, you can't criticise them for taking the guy who ultimately they targeted all along. So it wasn't like it to me. It looks like a bit of a reach, but it was a reach that they were prepared to make before the day. And I remember when they reached for a guy called Travis Frederick as centre a couple of years ago, and that worked out pretty well. So. <laughs> they'll be hoping to have a similar result this time yeah and thanks for the gambling heads up there mate brilliant could have uh, had, a, had a little little wager on any of those yeah exactly yeah. what a bastard I, I let everyone yeah, know about can, Patrick you can, Mahomes you can. you know can you actually bet on that stuff yeah, of course you, you can. can you can do any prop bet you like just yeah, could have really. slid into our DMs tell you and given what, us this all is this a, info, mate this is oh, a what's the Mike, point of sending you out there if you're not going to earn us some money yeah this is a Mike <laughs> a Mike Mayock uh, esque <laughs> situation from you here. Uh, Poor from you. I might go and try and track him down and give him a hug. Good man. Uh, trade, uh, Cleveland trade their um, first pick in the second round and their fourth rounder with the Packers. Um, as as I saw on Twitter, the last time the Packers traded out of the first round, Ollie, they took Jordy Nelson. So, and the, the they didn't is, even get that much for it, by the way. Didn't the Packers? The, the thing the is, they've only moved the, back. Um, they've moved back four picks, and they now yeah, own but if they've lost players, four of they now. Didn't you? But they now own four picks over the next two rounds. I think they're all right. Oh, yeah, be yeah fine. they are. But did, have you just said that Ted Thompson suggested that some guys the wanted have now been picked? I'm pretty sure he wanted TJ Watt and Ruben Foster, either one of those two. and he does a, Or even Ryan Ramchek, uh, another guy from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. You know, all three of those would have been good fits. <laughs> and all of them went the next three out of four. All, all definitely need positions. Yeah. Um, good. So <laughs> So I was just going to say, let's start off with Cleveland with David and Joku. Tight end. It's just a gr- brilliant pick. Like, yeah. He should have gone in the top 20. It was another. Cleveland have had a great day, haven't they? And yeah. I, I'm, I, I like that because I really want this analytics stuff to work because I can't stand the insular nature of professional. Well, not just football, but sports generally. So I'm, I'm really rooting for them. But yeah, unbelievably good pick. And, and I like the fact that they just pulled the trigger and moved up to get him because. They really liked him, and he is a really, really good player. I'd have definitely took him above Engram, but it sounds like the Falcons, who did move up anyway to get McKinley, wanted to move up for Engram as well. So interesting that it that Njoku slipped below him, but just a great pick. And, and, and the difference it. between Njoku and Engram, as we we talked about before, Njoku has the real potential as a blocker. Six four, big body. Um, you know, he could be His a, athleticism he, is unbelievable yeah. as well. He if, might be as athletic as any guy in the draft. If he gets trained up, he could be that kind of white tight end, not just the F tight end and they've taken three very talented players in this first round and And he'll yeah. get to learn off the back of Barnage and you know, who had a, a good season two seasons ago. He's still a good tight end. So. And our friend Seth DeValve and yeah, can, Seth, big Seth. It's a good tight end room. It's a good yeah. tight end room. Um Pittsburgh do take TJ Watt. The um, I, I guess you might have been in the side of the stage by this point, but the Dan Rooney love, Jerome Bettis, Franco yeah. Harris. That was a really nice moment. Other than one tosser shouting, "What's the pick?" about two minutes in, it was um, it was well observed as well, which is good because obviously Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are, are fairly close to each other. But yeah, obviously Dan Dan Rooney's. A, I think I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I actually interviewed him for kind of 40 minutes on the phone a couple of years ago and just a, a lovely guy to the point where at the end he was like and if you ever need me for anything he's my personal line number and I was just like thanks Dan but that probably won't be necessary but, <laughs> but not many not many NFL owners or anybody involved in any kind of sport would do that so yeah great guy and, and rightly given that commemorative 
service. Yeah, I, 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 well, I didn't get to interview him, but I did get to hear him speak when he was over in London when the Steelers played the Vikings and for 20 minutes or so and you know clearly even at his age an incredibly switched on man and incredibly passionate man and yeah it was it was really lovely to see I don't think we ever got to talk about this because we didn't do a podcast around it really but um, yeah well, it's lovely lovely we are now at half five oh, I think Ollie wants to go to bed um, right <laughs> TJ Watt, as a pick I, I like I have this thing inside me where it's like, is he just hyped because of the surname? I get that he's got the measurables, but he does seem to have jumped up quite a lot over the past few weeks. I want to see what he puts up. But then Pittsburgh have, tra- have drafted really well on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of years. So maybe he's a great pick. I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Um, then in comes San Francisco. They give a fourth round. Of the fourth round, they got off the Bears to move up three places and take Ruben Foster... Uh, Alabama compares favorite like the comparisons that he's got have been Navarro Bowman and Luke Keekley. Um there is just that huge concern that he slipped all the way down I mean the 49ers were talking about trying to trade back further in the top 10 and take him in the top 10 um, he's the book he's a war winner all American everything about him looks brilliant apart from the fact that we've been able to get him at 31 that's got to be the concern but well I see I, I'm not 100% sure it's the shoulder as much as it's the fact that the shoulder thing cropped up not long after I mean there is some major off the field stuff with him as well Mm -hmm. like huge stuff so there's the combination of things but in terms of pure football talent he's the safest guy in the draft from a football perspective great player if, if Lynch has managed if they can keep him reined in and the previous administrations weren't able to do this with players a la Alden Smith but you know if on his first day of drafting, John Lynch has got Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster, and an extra third-round pick out of it, well done, Johnny boy. Yeah, that's... Two, le- two, two, le- two legitimate top seven guys. It's an extra third and a fourth-round pick as well because they got two fourths and a third, didn't they? Oh yeah, cause, yeah. One's the next year. Yeah, of course. Blimey. Good yeah. work for a TV guy. <laughs> TV guy. Yeah. Uh, maybe just nobody saw him coming. That's it. He's never going to be able to fleece anyone again. But yeah. He's just he's, he's had his go. <laughs> um, and then New Orleans take Ryan Ramchick. I, I think there's a good chance he moves to right tackle as they've just brought in Adrian Peterson. Uh, he's a big, mean blocker. He, another one who's only a one-year starter, but I think interesting that he would have been a potential pick for the Seahawks, picking now at number one in the... Um, uh, no, Surely they're going to draft Forest Slump, by the way, yeah. the Seahawks. Yeah, they've got to at this it point. It has to happen, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, because given um, that uh, the Packers drafted uh, J. Rye uh, Evans, Jari Evans. J. Rye. Not drafted, sorry. They, they picked up Jari Evans earlier this week, who is a, a, a pro bowler, former Saint, um, two-time Saint on the, on the O-line. Could, could you see them using their first pick in the draft on another O-lineman? I'm not sure I could. So, especially with all well, the defensive Well, they're another needs. team who desperately need to go for... I mean, that's the thing with this Saints pick. They should have just picked another defensive player, didn't they? Just have a defensive draft. They'll, they'll score enough points next season on offence to win games. It's all about defence for them, and I would say it's the same for the Packers. Mm. Indeed. Right. Gents, any kind of final thoughts? I think overall we thought the Bears' move was bizarre. I think we thought the Browns had a very good day. The 49ers potentially had a very good day. Um, and there were plenty of pretty solid picks. It was quite an oddly sensible first round. I didn't like the Bengals' move. 
So maybe you know, some of the wide receivers went a little early, but there was nothing that yeah, beyond there wasn't the Bears that really made me go left field, was there? Yeah, exactly. I don't, there, there was nobody who went off the board who were like, "That's not a first round talent." Who you really kind of yeah thought, "No way, what are you doing there?" So all in all, well done, everyone. Very positive day. Back yeah. to the same tomorrow. Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Jackson, who uh, Deshaun Watson, who have. A very good opportunity to be good NFL quarterbacks, which is nice. Right, Ollie, you go get some sleep. Matt Sherry, top work as always, buddy. Keep enjoying Philadelphia, um, and we will speak after the end of the draft at this point. We're not going to do this daily because uh, we're going to start getting to the third, fourth rounds, and I'll start to not know who anyone is. So we need Clancy, <laughs> and we need <laughs> better knowledge for the rest of it. But um, all in all top work go to touchdown trips everybody check out the work we've been doing there and the tour coming up we'll have the full announcement coming shortly um gridiron on twitter at gridiron matt's going to be doing lots of tweeting from there from out in philly and we'll be doing the same otherwise thank you very much for listening hope this has been a nice informative early morning for you this has been the gridiron show to the Horse Ramble Daily where we'll be covering all of your horse needs and there's more every day during the Cheltenham Festival Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free to play for to win game head to betway.com to play now up next more horses horse 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 full time supply 18 plus only begambleaware.org